Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Be in the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew this evening. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8 immediately follows what's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And this is Matthew's account uh, of this. Luke, in Luke chapter 9, and Mark, in Mark chapter 4, uh, have some varying accounts uh, as opposed to Matthew's. But uh, once, and I, I've explained this before, these Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, are known as the Synoptic Gospels, meaning they're very, very much alike. They have uh, many of the same miracles, uh, many of the same uh, same things that go on uh, inside of them. Uh, Matthew's account just happens to have this directly after uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which which makes good sense. That's not to say that Mark is a liar or that Luke is a liar, uh, but you got to figure that. Uh, Mark and Luke would have both gotten their information uh, secondhand. They would have been pinning it down uh, as such. So, like I said, nobody's lying. They both, they all give the same accounts, all three of them, uh, just a, a, a slightly different time periods. Uh, but uh, again, Matthew 8 is directly after uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not going to begin in the first verse of Matthew 8. We'll pick up a little bit later in the chapter, but just a uh, give you an idea of uh, where we're going to be picking up. The Sermon on the Mount has taken place. Uh, Jesus has gone and preached uh, this magnificent sermon of his where we have the Beatitudes and we learn all kinds of other things uh, that are, we often hear quoted in the scriptures. So he comes down off of the mountain and, uh, and he heals a leper. There's a Roman centurion that, uh, that comes and says that his servant's sick and Jesus heals this uh, heals this servant from afar. Uh, he goes into Peter's home and uh, does a miraculous healing on Peter's mother-in-law. There's all kinds of things that take place uh, uh, that leading up to where we're going to be picking up from in verse 18. Uh, but what we need to remember is that this would have been a very trying day. I don't see in the scripture where uh, it bled from one day into another. This, uh, this all took place in the same day. Uh, what we're about to read. So we'll pick up in Matthew chapter 8, uh, starting at verse 18. It says, Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and beheld, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. 
But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And that's where we'll wrap up our reading for now. We'll back back up to verse 18. And it says, Now when Jesus saw uh, a great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. So we, we see these multitudes that are following Jesus at this point. Now, remember, we, uh, we just confirmed that this was, according to Matthew's account, this was uh, not long after the Sermon on the Mount. There would have been more than just a few people that would have heard Jesus Christ preach this sermon. But not only had the Sermon on the Mount taken place, but Jesus had done gone back down into the town. He had done, gone back in to Capernaum, and, and, uh, and he had performed miracles there. He had healed a leper. He had healed Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, he had healed the centurion soldier servant uh, from a distance and so the, there was a crowd of people that had began to follow the Savior around and, and, but he says here when he noticed the multitudes when he, when he uh, took notice of them he said we need to depart to the other side we got to go to the other side of the sea or of the lake here uh, but folks when he was preaching this sermon and when he was performing these miracles he never said anything like this to avoid the multitudes when he was up on the mountain given what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount he was teaching them the things that God wanted them to know he was preaching them the things that Almighty God would have them to know he did not disperse the multitudes from that he wanted them to hear what he had to say he didn't disperse them and he didn't try to depart from them he was teaching them and, and learning them the things of Almighty God but this first person in individual that we see come unto Jesus Christ. He says Lord I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And the scripture says that this was a scribe and scribes were more, more often than not found with another group called the Pharisees. These were proud people. They were the teachers of Israel themselves. And he comes to Jesus and says teacher I will follow you anywhere that you go. I will go with you all the way. I will go with you here and I will go with you there. If you camp out under the stars, I will be with you. If you eat the crumbs from someone else's table, I'm willing to do this. But how does Jesus Christ answer this man? He says, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He's given this scribe a warning here in the scripture. He's saying, you're going to be willing to depart from everything that you know and every one that you know. You need to be willing to bring yourself down to a level of poverty like the rest of the apostles did. Hey, they didn't stay in fancy hotels. They didn't have the finest meals. But they, the disciples, the original twelve of Jesus Christ, they were taken care of. They were sustained by God the Father while they wandered these regions of Galilee with God the Son. They were, they were helped along the way. They were 
were taken care of that this scribe, he didn't understand what, what was going on here. All he knew was the excitement that had followed Jesus down from the mount. The excitement and the intrigue that it produced when Jesus was working these miracles. When he was healing the leper. When he healed Peter's mother-in-law. When he was doing these miraculous things. And this scribe comes to Jesus and he says, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest, folks. This is the same way that false converts are made in the churches today. This is the same mistake that they make. And this is the mistake that a lot of the churches make by, by bringing these folks in, by installing them into offices, by letting them do whatever they want to. This scribe came to Jesus, but Jesus Christ never called him. Jesus Christ never drew him. He volunteered to come unto Jesus Christ and volunteered his time, volunteered his efforts for the service of God. And Jesus Christ said himself, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, and no man can come to me except the Father draw him. This is the bad way. And this is probably the most popular way that false converts are made now. They come into a congregation. They come into a church house. They go to a revival meeting. Whatever the case is. And the excitement is so real. The people of God are praising God. And the people, and the, these lost people, these unregenerate sinners, they see what's going on. And they say, I'd like to have a taste of that. And folks, that's all great. And that's fine. And that's well. But unless the Holy Spirit of God is the one drawing them to Jesus Christ, they will never receive salvation. If the Holy Spirit of God has never shown you your sin, never shown you your need for a Savior that you can have in God through Jesus Christ. If He has never showed you these things, then my friend, you cannot be and are not saved. It must be that way because that's the way the Scripture says it must be. The scribe came to Jesus on his own. On his own, not knowing exactly what it, what it would take in Luke's account of this. In Luke chapter 9, before any of this happened, Jesus gave the famous words, If any man come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow after me. Let him take up his cross. Folks, I praise God. He's a crown of glory promised to me at the end of the way. He's a crown of life somewhere out there. But there's a cross that I must bear to get there. There's a cross that I must bear to get that crown of glory. To get that crown of life. Folks, your cross, it may be different than what my cross is. I'm not talking about a cross that, that I must be placed on and killed for the sin of the world. That was Jesus and Jesus only that could do that. But every man must bear his own burden according to what Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 6 of that book. Every man must bear his own burden. We must all bear our cross on account of salvation, on account of Jesus Christ saving our soul. We must all bear our cross from here to there and from there back to here every day. There is a cross that we must bear. It may be your health. It may be your finances. It may be your mind. It may be physical problems. It may be mental problems, but either way, there is a cross that must be borne by the children of God. Yes, this scribe, obviously, didn't hear those words in Luke 9. 
He obviously wasn't around for that. We don't read in Luke's account, in Matthew's account, or in Mark's account, where the scribe nor the other man that had to bury his father, we don't read about their perseverance. We don't read that they went on with Jesus anyway. I'd like to think that they did. I'd like to think that this scribe, who was a teacher of Israel, a teacher of the law of Moses to the Israelites, and he would have also been one that would that would have that would have written down the laws, that would have made copies of such things to distribute to the people. He would have made copies of the word of God to distribute to the people of God, to God's chosen people, the apple of his eye, the children of Israel, the children of Jacob. This God or this scribe would have wanted would have been making copies of the word of God for the children of Israel. But I don't read anywhere where they persevered. The second man that we read about here, it says, Another disciple came, said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Very simple statement by this man. Very simple statement by Jesus Christ. Now Luke's account is just slightly different from what Matthew's account is. If you turn over to Luke chapter 9, you can do that at some point. You'll see that Jesus Christ actually spoke the words, follow me, before this man uh, made the statement that he needed to go bury his dead father. He, he made, he made, and then Jesus says, follow me. Jesus gave him a higher calling than anything to do with his family. I understand, folks, that the Bible says to honor thy father and to honor thy mother, to honor our parents. I understand these things. And, folks, unless it's a true calling of God, we are not to separate ourselves from the needs of our family. But in the case of it being a calling of God, you read in Luke's account in chapter 9, Jesus Christ told this man, he said, let the dead bury their dead. You go and preach the gospel. You go out and you be a preacher. You tell the people the good news of Jesus Christ. You tell them that the Messiah that has been promised since the books of Moses, since Genesis chapter 3, you tell them that Messiah is here to save them from their sins. Amen. He called this man to preach. I don't read in scripture where the man done it. I'm not saying for a fact that he didn't. But I would think that if they had persevered, that if they continued in that way, I think that we would have a count of that in scripture to one way, in one way, shape, form, or fashion. Jesus rebuked both of these men. He rebuked them subtly. He rebuked them softly. Believe it or not, these are soft words that Jesus Christ spoke. But here we have two men, a scribe, and somebody else, the Bible doesn't give a, a name, two men. One of them come to Jesus on his own voluntarily and offered to go whithersoever the Lord went. The other was called by the Lord himself. But when, when he said, give me leave, basically, that I might go bury my dead father, Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. Let those that are dead in their trespasses and sin." Let those that have no spiritual life, let those that have no spiritual calling do the things of this world. Let the worldly people do the worldly things. I have given you a, a spiritual calling. I have given you a calling that is higher than anything this world would have to offer. You go and you preach the gospel. Amen. And I don't read in scripture where that man took that offer from Jesus Christ. I don't read where he done that. These are two different occasions. 
One was not called by Jesus. Another one was called by Jesus. I don't read where either one of them uh, fell, uh, followed through with that. And verse 23 says, When he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And I'll stop right there. And when, when he was entered into a ship, the disciples followed him. It doesn't say how many disciples. We can rightly assume this would have been the 12 that Jesus Christ would have, would have had with him on the ship. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch the ship was covered with the waves. But praise God, Jesus was asleep even while this storm was going on outside of the boat that they were on. I realize that the scripture calls it a ship. This was more than likely just a small fishing vessel that these men were on. Most of the disciples uh, were fishermen by trade and they were out here on this, on this ship. Jesus Christ had said we must depart and go to the other side. They had entered into the ship. They got out on the waters. Hey folks, when Jesus come down from the mountain he didn't get any rest. We've already discussed the miracles that he performed. We've already discussed some of the conversations that he had. He had these conversations with this, this conversation with this scribe and with this other gentleman that came his way. Jesus Christ was tired. Hey, he was all God but he was all man while he was here on this earth and this is a wonderful picture of him being God and him being man all at the same time Jesus Christ got weary just as you and I will get weary hey folks you cannot suffer anything that Jesus Christ has not suffered himself whether it's being tired whether it's being poor whether it's being homeless or whether it's the feeling of abandonment as Jesus Christ hung on the cross he said my God my God why hast thou forsaken me Jesus Christ knows what it feels like to be alone Amen. and I thank God for that because he understands and because he feels what I feel sometimes because of these things folks I'm not saying he couldn't be compassionate without them but boy he can be sympathetic he can be empathetic he understands what we're going through you can't suffer a pain that Jesus doesn't know about you can't suffer a discouraging thought that Jesus Christ doesn't know about you can't suffer anything that Jesus Christ doesn't know about and has not suffered himself but here he is out here on these waves with the, or on this uh, lake on this sea with these uh, disciples these men that were mostly fishermen by trade and they were afraid. Hey, folks, don't think that this was the only storm that they had ever seen. Most of them had spent their lives and made their living on the sea casting out for fish. They had seen storm after storm after storm, but this one came upon them suddenly, and praise God, Jesus Christ was asleep in the back of the ship. He was tired. He was tired. They're very one that created the Sabbath. The very one that created the Sabbath for rest was tired. The ones the Bible says, the God who watches over Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. He had to slumber. He had to sleep because he was all man. He wore down just like you and I do. He got tired just like you and I do. He suffered just like you and I do. 
He felt everything that these disciples had felt and everything that you and I would feel 2,000 years later here in 2023. The man was tired. He was asleep while this storm was going on. The disciples came. They said, save us, we perish. Hey, folks, this was the same cry that, that you would read about. I know Easter's coming up here pretty soon. This is the same cry that the people, as Jesus Christ was riding into Jerusalem, and they were standing on the sides of the road, and they were waving their palm branches, and they were throwing their garments out on the road, and they were screaming, Hosanna. That's exactly what the word Hosanna means, is save us, save us now. This would have been a very similar cry that these disciples were saying to Jesus Christ as they were in the midst of this storm. They were saying save us Lord we perish. This was their prayer and Jesus Christ acted once he heard it. Hallelujah. I'm tickled to death to report to you that Jesus Christ when he awoke he didn't rebuke the disciples for suddenly waking him up and he wasn't a bit concerned with the sound of the waves. He wasn't worried about any thunder. He wasn't worried about the sound of the wind. He wasn't worried about any beast that may have been in the water that could have eaten them up. What he heard was the cry of his disciples. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We had the scribe. That was one type of person. We had the other man that wanted to bury his father. That was another type of person. These disciples, they describe me and they describe you if you're real honest with yourself. Someone with weak faith, but praise God, I've got faith. Someone that has doubt, but praise God, he looked down upon me one day and there was enough faith that was in me that he could save my unworthy soul. It's a weak faith, but it's enough faith to get me home. But folks, I don't want to leave my faith where it's at. I want my faith to grow. I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Almighty God and the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to grow in his word. I want to grow in his service. I want to grow in everything that Almighty God commands me in the scripture to grow in. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. These men had weak faith, but they had faith. They knew who to go to. Yes. They didn't just toss their hands up in the air and say, we're finished. We're through. Just let Jesus sleep. Hey, folks, uh, <coughs> these men, if they, if they had done that, folks, I think that vessel would have still made it to the other side. Why? Yeah, it's carrying the most precious cargo known to mankind on it. Amen. Jesus Christ himself was on there, but not only him. He was the most precious. But folks, those disciples were with him. These disciples that had been commissioned since the beginning of time. These disciples that were foreordained to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were on there with him. Hey folks, I'm, I'm happy to report to you that the very boat that bears Jesus Christ right now, which is the church of the living God, we bear Jesus Christ right now. We carry him to the nations. We carry him to the communities. We carry him all over this country. Hey folks, that boat will not get lost. It will not sink. It must reach the destination that God has foreordained that it will. It has to. It has to make it. Praise God. And hallelujah to the Lamb of God. His disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith to them, why are you fear, fearful, O ye of little faith? How many times I wonder, has Jesus looked down on me and said the same thing? Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? 
Folks, if I got faith enough to, to think, to not just to think, but to know that Jesus Christ saved my soul, knowing what I was, and, and, and knowing the sinful, wicked, evil, mean, nasty, filthy creature that I was, and every one of you was too. Don't sit here and look at me like I got three heads. Every one of us were that. Every one of us were vile, and we were a stench in the nostrils of Almighty God at some point in our lives, knowing what I was and knowing that the Son of God would condescend to become the Son of Man. He would leave the heavenlies and come here and associate and dwell among people like us, sinful creatures, wicked creatures. He would not only live amongst the sin, but He would live amongst those that were committing the sin. If I have faith enough that Jesus Christ descended the heavens to come to earth to give His life a ransom for many, including me, I should have faith that He will get me anywhere I need to go and anywhere He wants me to go. Amen. Hallelujah. He says, why are you fearful? Fearful. Oh, you of little faith, why are we fearful? Oh, us of little faith, us, the church, us, the blood-bought, born-again Christians. Why do we have such little faith? I wish I could truly answer that. Much of it has to do with the world. Much of it has to do with the world rubbing off on us. Much of it has to do with the news that we read, with the Facebook posts that we read. Maybe with some of us with the Facebook posts that we make. Much of it has to do with how the world has in infiltrated the church, the believers in Jesus Christ. Folks, they didn't have all these things I just listed back in these days, back in these disciples' days. You think on these disciples here, they had just witnessed Peter's mother-in-law get miraculously healed this same day. They had heard Christ preach about the Beatitudes. They had heard Christ say that seek you first the, the kingdom of God and these other things shall be added unto you. They had heard Christ preach all these things. They had heard him preach about the, 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 the broad gate that leads to destruction. They had heard him talk about the straight and narrow that leads to life everlasting. They had witnessed him heal a leper at this point. They had witnessed the miraculous come from this man, Jesus Christ, and yet they had little faith this is this is so much like the over in the uh, the other gospels where uh, where they said lord increase our faith my goodness they had seen the blind people healed they had seen deaf ears unstopped they had seen those sick with the palsy that were made whole they had seen all these things and yet they said lord increase our faith this should be the daily prayer of every christian under the sound of my voice right now that god increase your faith we should all want our faith increased daily, not just once a week, not just on Sunday mornings, not just in a midweek or a Sunday evening, not just a revival. It should be a daily thing that we want our faith increased. You be careful praying that prayer, though. You be careful praying that because God might just answer it. God might, might increase your faith. How is our faith increased? A lot of times by trial. A lot of times by suffering. But folks, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible to please him. That is another reason why we should pray daily, Lord, increase our faith. That Jesus doesn't have to look down on us and say, why are you fearful? Why am I fearful? He's already saved me from hell. What else have I got to fear? 
I, I, I shouldn't fear man. Jesus said that himself, did he not? He said, fear not man that is able to destroy your body, but fear God who is able to destroy both your body and soul in hell. I have nothing to fear. Jesus has already saved me from hell. He's already saved me from my sins. I have nothing to fear. So why do I have little faith? Why? Why am I fearful? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and sea. And there was a great calm. He arose and he rebuked. <clears throat> this is the same thing that he done with demon possessions. He would rebuke the demons. He would call the demons out. He rebuked the wind. And he rebuked the seas. Praise God. They had the, these disciples. They had the very creator of the wind on board with them. They had the very creator of the waters and of the seas on board with them. They had the very one that reached down his finger and carved out the valleys for the rivers on board this ship with them. He is the only one that could do anything for them. That's why they went to Jesus Christ. And they said, Lord, save us. We perish. They went to Christ knowing that he could do something. Hey, folks, this wasn't like the account of Jesus. Jonah, when Jonah was running from God, Jonah was the cause of that storm. If it hadn't been for Jonah disobeying God, that storm would have never happened. This storm, I believe, was for the sole purpose of increasing the faith of these disciples mm. that were on board this ship with Jesus Christ. What did those men say to Jonah? Those men, those pagans, those heathens, when they come to Jonah, they said, oh, sleeper, what meanest thou? Why? Because Jonah was asleep on the ship. There was this huge tempest that blew up on them. But folks, like I said, this is, these are contrasting accounts. Very, uh, very much so. Jonah was the cause of that. I've heard people say that Satan himself was the cause of this storm. I've heard people say that demons that evidently swim around in the waters were the cause of this storm. I don't put much stock in that. I've heard all kinds of things blamed for the cause of this storm, folks. All I know is that Jesus Christ is the very maker of this heaven, and he's the of, of heaven, and he's the very maker of this earth, and he made the water, he made the air, he made the winds, he made the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything therein. Hey, Job says that... that God Almighty, uh, he's the one that put the waves in their place. And he said, you can't come any further than this. Hey, God Almighty is the one that determined these things. And God Almighty is the one that keeps these things going the way that they are. I don't care who was to blame for the storm. What I care about is that Jesus Christ was able to step out on this boat and say, peace be still. And he calmed the storm with just his words. He didn't need a staff like Moses did to, to separate the Red Sea. He didn't need anything. He didn't need a mantle like Elijah did to deal with the waters. Jesus Christ simply spoke and it stood still. Hallelujah. Amen. That's all Christ needs is his word. Yes. Just a thought from Jesus Christ. Folks, <clears throat> not just physical storms. Every one of us suffer mental storms, do we not? Yeah. It was asked before service this evening who've been through a trial who've been, who've been through something like that every one of us have Jesus calms those too the tempest might rage inside my head it might rage inside my heart it might be brought on by, by, by a number of different things it might be work 
It might be, I know I've already listed finances and health. It might be spouse. It might be brothers, sisters. It might be brothers and sisters in the Lord. It might be people that are out there in the world. Either way, different storms are brought on by different things. But folks, it doesn't matter the storm. And it doesn't matter the cause of it. God, uh, God Almighty has the power and has the means to calm any storm that we have. Hey, child of God, I've got good news for you. Whatever storm is brewing around in your heart right now, or whatever storm may be coming up next week or in the weeks of the months to come. I've got good news. Almighty God has not lost his power. He has still got the same power as he had while he was on this boat with the disciples and he can still come every storm that you step into. Hallelujah. There was a great calm and the men marveled saying what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him. What manner of man is this? Not what man is this. What manner of man is this? Mm. What kind of fella is this is what they were asking. Folks, this is the maker. This was God himself. What manner of man is this? This is he who loved me and gave himself for me as Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2. This is the one that, that, that encouraged him and said we must depart. He's the one that said, let's get into the boat. Let's go out on the sea. The manner of man that he is, was here, and that he is now, there is no difference between the two. He still has the same power. He still has the same love for his people. He still has the same desire for his people. His desire here was to get to the other side so that they could do what? Hey, folks, Jesus came to teach and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to, he came to help those uh, that, that uh, the Old Testament talked about, that the Old Testament prophesied about. He came to save his people from their sins. That was his mission. That was his goal. That was the entire purpose that he came was to destroy the works of Satan to destroy the works of the devil and the works of the devil are wicked and they are sinful and Jesus Christ mission while he was here and mission now is to destroy the works of Satan hey if you happen to be here lost right now he can still destroy the works of Satan that are brewing in your heart it ain't just the same people that have storms it's the lost people that suffer through storms they suffer through turmoil. turmoil. They suffer through strife. They suffer through a lot of the same things that same people do, but the same Jesus has the same power to calm these storms. Hallelujah. And it'll end up the same. A great calm. A great calm. That doesn't mean that it's not going to come our way again. That doesn't mean that the demons of this world won't rear their ugly heads. It doesn't mean that another tempest won't brew up and come our way and toss us to and fro to the left and to the right. It doesn't mean that we might might not think that we're going to perish. It doesn't mean any of those things. But praise God, if he brings you through one, that increases your faith that he'll bring you through the next one. If he brings you through the next one, that'll increase your faith that much more that he'll bring you through another one sometime down the line. 
Hey, if he saved you out of one storm, he'll save you out of a hundred more if that's how many you run into. That's what increases our faith is seeing the same thing over and over, seeing God's deliverance over and over. Hey, God's delivered me more than just the time that he saved me 14 years ago. That wasn't the only deliverance that I've experienced with Almighty God. He's delivered me so many more times from so many other things. God is a deliverer. Jesus Christ came to deliver. Jesus Christ is a deliverer and if we put our faith and our trust in him he will deliver us from all sin all iniquity all transgression he will deliver us under the father which is the haven that I'm looking for across the way one day after a while hallelujah there'll be a great calm even when these other troubles come our way even when other storms might brew up in our lives there'll be a great calm peace with the children of God. There's a peace that the world don't understand. There's peace whenever we're suffering through health problems. Whenever the doctor says you ain't got but X amount of months or X amount of days to live. There's a peace with the child of God. Folks, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it. I've witnessed it myself. You could tell the people that had peace with God. And you could tell the people that didn't have peace with God. There is a peace that passeth all understanding. As the scripture says, when we are a child of God and that peace grows and grows and grows along with our faith, every storm that we are delivered out of. Hallelujah. My question to you, and I'll be done, is are you the scribe? Did you come to Jesus without being bitten, without being drawn? Or are you the man that was called but didn't follow through? Or are you like these disciples? Yes, you're with Jesus. Although your faith be weak, you are with Jesus. If your faith is weak, such as mine, pray that God increase it. Pray that God increase your faith. And your peace will increase along with it. Folks, that's the message. God bless you all. I appreciate your attention.